Welcome to the podcast for St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School Sherman Center that's in Random Lake, Wisconsin, north of Milwaukee and south of Sheboygan. We're pleased to share with you recent sermons and Bible classes from our congregation. We welcome you to join us for Divine Service Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We have Bible classes currently offered at 8.15 a.m. on Sunday. Join us to receive the Lord's Word and His gifts. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Jesus today speaks three parables in a row. You heard the first two, the third being that of the lost son. And these three parables of the lost tell you how he finds them and how he restores them. And nothing brings Jesus more joy than to receive one of his lost ones back into his embrace. When they are found, Jesus rejoices with his friends and neighbors and even the holy angels. And then he welcomes them to a terrific feast. Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So the question is, who are the lost ones? Who are the dead ones? St. Paul writes, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Romans 5. Everyone sinned. Everyone dies. Everyone, then, is lost. Lost like sheep who wander astray, Lost like the coin deep within the couch's crevice. Lost like the son who is wallowing in the muck and mire with the swine. The lost are the dead ones. And apart from the shepherd's protection, lost sheep will be found by the wolf and devoured. Apart from being in the owner's treasury, the lost coin is worthless. Apart from being in the father's house, the lost son will die of starvation. So what has Christ done for these, the lost ones? What has Jesus done for you? For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So how does Christ come to seek and to save the lost? He seeks and saves them by dying for them. He sought you. He died for you. He actually became the lost one, lost in your trespasses forsaken by the Father, given unto death, 
in order to find you and to give you the way of life. But those who think they are done with Jesus, especially his forgiveness, or those who think that there's something else that's more important to life, they then have a problem. When you stop thinking of yourself as a sinner, as dead in trespasses, you'll stop thinking that you need Jesus. Or, like the Pharisees and scribes in our text, those who consider themselves righteousness apart from Jesus, don't need Jesus' righteousness given to them. To say it another way, if you are moral and good, then you don't need forgiveness of sins. If you're acceptable, you don't need to be accepted by Jesus, especially by his acceptable sacrifice. If you don't live, breathe, and find your whole being in Jesus Christ, in his forgiveness, then you're dead. Now, does this offend you? Does it scandalize you? It seems maybe a little too harsh to just call people dead even while they live. Again, remember the context that was set up today by Jesus. He's eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners. Not just those who are sinful in their heart, as we all are, but those who are outwardly sinful by the way they live or speak. And who was offended in the gospel? The Pharisees and scribes. And why were they offended? They thought that Jesus came for them, the righteous ones, and did not come for wicked people like those people. The Pharisees and scribes grumble because he was eating and drinking with immoral types. So they ask, why? They ask the disciples, why is he doing this? To which Jesus answers, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, that is, those who are righteous in themselves, but rather sinners to repentance. So you see that your identity, and really the foundation of the whole Christian church, is not obedience. It's not about morals. It's not about outward righteousness. It's about forgiveness of sins in Christ Jesus and communion with Christ. Because there's no sin that is so great that your Heavenly Father cannot forgive it for the sake of His Son's shed blood. There's no one for whom Jesus did not die. Thus, the whole purpose of God's church, this church, is to proclaim, repent, believe the gospel, be forgiven. The church preaches forgiveness, and only by forgiveness does God make any of you holy. So Jesus, again, says says it today in this way. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons, we might say self-righteous persons, who need no repentance. And just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, what is this repentance that Jesus speaks of? Better yet, 
If you are truly dead in your trespasses and sins, then how can you repent at all? How can the lost be found? How can the dead raise themselves? The parables today also then teach us something very revolutionary about repentance. To repent, that is to change your mind about who you are and what, who Jesus is for you, that's not within your own power. You are as lost as the sheep who cannot save himself. You're as inanimate as the coin lost in the couch. You have no ability of yourself to repent. What can the dead do but stay dead? You have no ability to be sorry enough to overcome your own sin or to improve your position before God by your own acts of righteousness. The only sufficient thing is to admit with Jesus that you're lost, dead, and your only source of hope is his mercy. Now, such repentance, again, can't come by your own ability, your reason or strength. It only can come as Jesus comes to you. Only when you're discovered by Jesus can you be redeemed. And apart from him, you remain dead in trespasses. But when he has found you, now something otherworldly happens. He doesn't tell you to get better. He doesn't tell you to improve. He doesn't tell you to work out your righteousness, and then he'll welcome you back. Or, he just doesn't tell you to stop sinning. Instead, Jesus comes to you and says, I forgive you. He says to you, arise, raise, raise from the dead. He says to you, drink of it, all of you, for this blood is the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. You can't quite understand what you're receiving from Jesus until he comes to you and gives you (laughs) what he aims to give. And that means that we probably don't really understand what we're doing when we confess our sins. Because confession of sins is not simply admitting that you've made mistakes and you want to do better. Confession is admitting that you're dead in trespasses. And you can only admit that if you've been already raised to life again. Confession is admitting that you have no power to save yourself and that you're not worth saving. But that can only happen if you've been saved. Confession is admitting that there's no hope for you. Being dead is all you deserve, which is all you can say when you've been restored to life in Jesus. That's true, then. Absolution, forgiveness, is not a pass from God just because you're sorry. He's not setting aside his wrath because you tried harder this week. It's not just God saying, it's okay, we all make mistakes. Saying that to your weakness or just looking the other way at your sin. Now, absolution is something, again, more revolutionary than that. It's Jesus taking your sin from you and burying it in his grave. Absolution is taking that cursed sin and putting it upon himself at the cross. And your sin then is separated from you by Christ as he paid the penalty that is owed 
the wages of sin. Absolution, then, is taking the lost sheep and raising them to life by putting them on his shoulders. Absolution is finding the lost coin and bringing it back into the precious treasury. Absolution is running out to embrace the son that was lost, clothing him, adorning him, and feasting with him. That's why what Jesus gives you here today and every Lord's Day is a great feast of forgiveness. Because it's only by forgiveness that you are changed, that you repent of your sins, that you return to life in him. And so today you receive this banquet not because you are living and righteous. No, his feast is not offered to you here today because of all your good efforts. Instead, this feast is a celebration of his finding you, of his restoring you, his resurrecting you from the dead again. This feast is his rejoicing with you, his lost sheep, his lost coin, his lost son. And he eats and drinks with you, tax collectors, maybe not, but sinners. He has found the lost and is bringing you from life to death. And he does it by the feast, the very feast that is the feast of celebration. So he brings you, he restores you by forgiving you, his resurrected friends and neighbors. And you get to join with saints and angels and the whole host, singing and rejoicing. Thanks be to Jesus in his holy name. Amen. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.